Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG, open makes more possible. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast and the awesome Big 50 book about the Blackhawks, which I saw lots and lots of you got for Christmas this year. So clearly, he's on his way to best-selling authorship, Jay. <laughs> Hope you had a great Christmas, buddy, and uh, happy Boxing Day today. Oh, yes, it is a happy Boxing Day. Uh, I appreciate the well wishes, and thanks to everybody, yes, who did buy the book for the holidays. That was wonderful, very, very helpful this time of year, so thank you for that. If you want to get in touch with us, very easy to do. We're at madhousepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at madhousepod, Instagram at madhouse underscore pod, and we're on Facebook. Just search the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast and you will find us. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and review all that good stuff. And don't ch- don't forget to check out our merchandise shop, MadhousePodMerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Thread Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090, or email Chris at TripleThreadSports.com. Triple Thread Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. That is MadhousePodMerch.com. Some really cool stuff on there. So check that out. And if you buy some of that stuff, send us some pictures as well. It's very, very helpful. All right, James, we've got some news items to get to today. Uh, The most important thing is Kirby Doc's injury. Uh, Got injured in an exhibition game uh, before the World Junior Championships began yesterday. He's back in Chicago. He is being evaluated. I'm sure he's already been evaluated. We're going to get into what his injury means for this season and beyond. The Blackhawks made a signing today, and two former Hawks have new homes. But I wanted to start with today's signing. If you missed the news, on Saturday, the 26th, the Blackhawks signed 35-year-old defenseman Carl Soderberg. Soderberg had been with the Arizona Coyotes uh, last season and a couple seasons before, had 35 points in 70 games. Uh, $1 million deal, again, 35 years old. 
And I like to sort of uh, think on these things a little bit. I know you do too, James. But my first thought was, okay, and we've talked about this a lot, right? Sam Bowman was telling everybody that would listen this summer that this fall, rather, <laughs> I'm all screwed up in my calendar because of the <laughs> pandemic and the season. But this fall, that the commitment was to rebuilding. The commitment was to developing young talent. And yes, the Nylander injury and yes, the Doc injuries play a role in this signing. But 35-year-old Carl Soderberg is brought in. And to me, you're just adding another bottom six forward to the list of David Kampf and Lucas Walmark and Matthias Janmark and Ryan Carpenter who are defensive-minded, inexpensive, and really just clogging up roster spots for young players, and I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I, I think that for me, I, I see like all of the moves that they've made this offseason, at least in terms of the forwards, and it does seem like they're seemingly loading up on those like cheap guys who can kind of give them a different look from those bottom six center positions specifically I was just uh jotting down a few notes here before the show and when you look down the list when you look at the Jan Marks the Walmarks now you've got Soderberg you still have Ryan Carpenter you still have David Camp you still have John Quenville you still have Brandon Peary like all of these guys are ostensibly going to be competing for what probably two primary roster spots because I'd imagine that Dylan Strom when and if he gets re-signed, which at this point we still have to say when. Like It's not like the Blackhawks have made it clear they're shopping him or anything like that, but you would assume he's going to slide into that number two center role with Kirby Dock out potentially for a while. You look at all of these guys who are going to be ostensibly competing for the two roster spots there, and then you look even further, and it's like, what does that mean for Pius Suter, Pius Suter and what does that mean for Philip Kirishev? Are those guys not going to really have a shot to make the regular season roster for the Blackhawks? There's just there's so many pieces that they have available to them. And look, I get all of the good things about Carl Soderberg. I get that he can score on the power play. He had six power play goals last season for the Coyotes. I know that he's a solid two-way player. I know he's a veteran presence. I know that he can potentially get an asset back at the trade deadline because of how cheap his contract is. I'm not going to complain about any of that stuff. They obviously did not overpay for Carl Soderberg and, in fact, probably got a really good deal on him. For sure. But when you add it to all of those things that they already have in-house and on the roster, I will agree with you that this goes against the idea of a youth movement. I So I can see the logic in it, but I also – I don't understand why they have to continuously add guys who honestly at this point kind of seem like redundant assets. Right. That's the thing. And and your point is well made. And it was one I was going to make too. This is a guy who, if one of these young players, Kurashev, uh, maybe Mackenzie Entwistle, some of these guys, you know, in the minors who are right knocking on the door of the NHL, if they prove ready, Soderbergh can easily be moved. That's a very manageable contract. He's an effective player. Uh, who will make any team better. And are the Blackhawks better with Carl Soderberg? Yes, I would say yes, they are. But the point is not to be good this year, <laughs> right? Especially when you're looking at a significant portion of the season without Kirby Doc, who was going to be one of the reasons you could sort of say like, well, you know, if he really does take that next step, then maybe we could talk about the Hawks maybe sneaking into a playoff spot well, now that's out the window, and Carl Soderberg coming in isn't going to boost them up to the level they need to be. My fear here is you're going to bring in these guys to stay somewhat competitive, 
not good enough for a good draft pick, not good enough for a playoff spot, and you're blocking players that could be playing at the NHL level. Now, should guys be handed jobs? Should Mackenzie Entwistle be given a spot on this roster or Philip Kurashev simply because? No, they shouldn't. But in this unique year where you don't have an AHL season right away, right, and you've got this taxi squad situation, you don't have a preseason to evaluate players, giving some of these young guys a look, I think maybe makes sense first. I don't know. It, it's I understand what's like. I'm trying to put myself in Sam Bowman's shoes and see where he's coming from. And you mentioned it too. The the elephant in the room is what's the deal with Dylan Strom? Is Dylan Strom not going to be a Blackhawk next year? They when Bowman spoke last week, he said, "Oh, you know things are close. We're negotiating. We're and the agent said, you know, we're trying to leverage for positioning here. Well, when Kirby Doc gets hurt, Dylan Strom's leverage goes up." He becomes a much more necessary piece for the Blackhawks. And now, you know, maybe playing chicken with the agent here over a couple thousand dollars wasn't the smartest thing to do. I don't know. Maybe Dylan Strom signs during this podcast. That's certainly a possibility. But right. I just we're, we're what just over two weeks away from the puck dropping on the season. And we don't know the roster yet. And that mm-hmm. to me is concerning. And I, and I know people are sour on Dylan Strom because he had a down year last year and his playoffs were disappointing. Those things are obvious and true. However, he's 23 years old. He comes with some established NHL success. And when you're talking about growing the future and developing, that is he's one of the top candidates to do that. That's a guy who this year could be a very helpful piece, and this could be a big development year for him because of the opportunities he's going to get because of Doc's absence. Now we're sort of saying, like, okay, where's the deal? Where is the contract for Dylan Strome? Yeah, and I think that we can't we can't gloss over like what this could potentially mean for the Kirby Doc injury either. I mean, if you're looking at a broken wrist, they've I've, I've seen estimates all over the place like four to six weeks, whatever. You know, bone heals. If there's ligament damage in there, or if there's like smaller bones that were potentially fractured in his wrist, that could be an even longer term injury. And therefore, I would kind of understand why they would want some more insurance just in case they do need an NHL ready guy right now. But again, we obviously don't know that. We don't have certainty yet on Doc's injury, which I'm a little bit surprised about now that Blackhawks doctors have, I guess, for lack of a better word, have gotten their hands on him now and they can kind of see what's going on. They can do the scans, the x-rays, everything that they need to do. I'm wondering if there's another shoe to drop with that injury. Like we've alluded to before, I wonder if there's maybe another uh, shoe to drop in the Dylan Strom case. Maybe they've decided that they've poisoned the well and they're probably going to have to trade him after they sign him to whatever deal they end up inking him to. Could this mean something about Zach Smith? Could this mean something about Andrew Shaw? Both guys who are coming off of injuries and we're not really sure what exactly their status is for the coming year. I think that there's a lot of other potential variables at play other than just the guys who are already on the roster at the center position. And like you said, Jay, like it's so odd not to have at least a little bit of clarity on what the roster is going to look like on opening night. Like we can all kind of give our best guesses on who the 23 players are going to be on the roster, who the six taxi squad guys are going to be. But with all of this uncertainty with the pandemic and with the injuries and with the signings, there is a lot still up in the air and we aren't going to really get clear answers even when the season begins because we've had no preseason to kind of judge these guys and we're solely going to be judging this thing based on what they're able to do 
in the nine or ten practices that they're going to have before the banner gets unveiled in Tampa Bay. As I'm looking at things right now, as I'm looking at the roster, uh, including Soderberg and including Strom, I'm just going to sort of run down the forwards just in sort of order here, okay? Debrinkit, Taves, Kane, we'll call that line one. Yanmark, Strom, Kubelik, line two, sure. Shaw, if he's healthy, Soderberg, and Highmore, Camp, Carpenter. Those guys are for sure, if healthy, playing on the roster. That gives you one forward spot to fill. And, of course, there's going to be more because you have uh, the call-up situations, right? You've got the taxi squad sort of a thing. So that leaves, uh, like, one actual game spot open for guys. And that's you're picking from the list we discussed. You know, it's it's Quenville. It's Peary. It's uh, Cam Morrison, who they signed. Ryan Johnson. Um, uh, Evan Barrett, your guy. You're a big fan of Evan Barrett. And yeah. who's the guy for uh, Carl... Uh, no, not Carl. Oh, my God. Brandon Hagel. I was going to say, you forgot Hagel and Matthew Highmore, too, right? You would think he's going to figure I, out yeah, this. Yeah, I had Highmore in there, but yeah. So, Oh, sorry. I missed him. No, that's all right. But, so, but again, all those names I listed, those are bottom six kind of dudes, right? Like, I don't know. It just, the, it just They have, re- like, 13 bottom six dudes. Let's just, like, yes. get to brass tacks. That's exactly what they have, and they have probably four top six guys. And that's why I'm saying the Soderbergh thing doesn't make a ton of sense because it feels redundant. It just feels redundant. And is he better than Camp? Probably. Well, he, yes, he's better than Camp. And yes, he's better he than is. he is. But David Camp is twenty-five. So sh- in theory, should Soderbergh be taking ice time away from Camp? It's just, you know, there's so many. I guess they just don't have anyone established ready in their minds. And if you plug Doc and Neilander into this equation, things look a lot better and make a lot more sense, right? But without those two. Neilander, for all intents and purposes, is out for the year. Yeah, right? there's I don't I don't see him playing at all this year. There's a small chance that maybe he'd be ready if they made the playoffs, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know, Doc, like you said, they're talking six to eight weeks, and I did the math here, or four to four to eight weeks. So four weeks from today is January twenty fourth. That means he would miss six games. That's eleven percent of the season. Six weeks from today is February eleventh. That's fifteen games. That's twenty seven percent of the season. Eight weeks would be February 25th. That's 22 games. That's 39% of the season. So those are, as of this moment, sort of the expectations for what Kirby Doc could miss. We still don't really know the extent of the injury and how long he's going to be out. And here we are, you know, reading the social media tea leaves. Um, I don't remember who tweeted it, but, you know, the Brinkit is hosting Boquist at his place. They live together. And then Kirby Doc showed up on Christmas. (laughs) So Kirby Doc is there. With those guys. And the picture was positioned perfectly where you could see Boquist, you could see Debrinkit, and then Kirby Doc was on the couch, and you can't see his hands at all. <laughs> you couldn't see if there was a cast. You couldn't see if there was a splint, anything. So here we are all sort of guessing. Um, I don't know. I'm trying not to overreact to the Soderbergh thing because it's unnecessary. Again, if a young kid proves ready, they can just trade Soderbergh or whoever they want to trade, and it's a one-year deal at a low-cap hit. It's not high risk. I'm just... I'm just so ready for a rebuild. And like we mentioned last week, 75% of our audience, which is scientifically proven, factually correct, is ready for a rebuild too. They speak for Blackhawks Nation. We've proven that. Like, would you rather watch Carl Soderberg or Mackenzie Entwistle or Philip Kurashev? And to me, that question is very, very simple. And this year, right now, I want a kid to play. Even though a veteran makes the team better, I want the kid to play, whoever it may be. 
I can't believe we're already this far into the podcast and we haven't addressed the elephant in the room yet, which is should we be angry that Kirby Doc got injured playing for Team Canada? Because that has been the debate that has been raging on Blackhawks Twitter before Carl Soderberg kind of forced another debate to happen, which I was a little bit surprised by. I was kind of taken aback by how quickly the reaction came out to the signing of a guy to a one-year deal and a $1 million contract. I think it kind of illustrates how hockey-starved we all are and how passionate Blackhawks fans are about the workings of this team and the direction of this team. But the Kirby Doc thing, like we – had kind of like talked, we've obviously talked about, you know, the risk involved with it before he even headed up to the bubble in Edmonton to get ready for this tournament. And I still, I think the more I've examined it, the more I just kind of fall on the side that this was something that Kirby Doc really felt strongly that he wanted to do. The Blackhawks wanted him to get off to a flying start with no preseason. They wanted him to get off to you know, a great start this season and have those games under his belt, that competition under his belt. And it just didn't work out. And like, to me, it could have happened at any time. He could have injured this wrist during a practice, during a pickup basketball game, during a photo shoot with DeBrinkett and Boquist. <laughs> that could have happened at any time. And the fact that it happened in a World Junior Championship exhibition game, to me, doesn't change the fact that I still think that it was the right thing for the Blackhawks to allow him to do this. And I think that it was important to respect his wishes here because being able to wear that C for Team Canada means a lot to a guy. And a guy like Kirby Doc, that kind of leadership experience, especially with an aging Jonathan Taves on the roster, could have only benefited him. And there were so many benefits to him playing in this tournament exhibition or whatever you want to call it like I just Mm -hmm. to me the anger about it is kind of misplaced and to me it's just one of those things that stuff happens man like that's it's unfortunate but it is what it is well I'm not look I'm not going to change my stance on it because he got injured am I upset he got injured of course it's well yeah we all are right but I agree with you that it was the right thing to do. And Jonathan Taves, Mark Lazarus tweeted it out last week that Jonathan Taves said playing in the World Junior Championships was one of the most important things for his development ever. For him to be out there and sort of dominating and, and gaining that confidence. And like you said with Kirby Doc, that's his preseason. He hits the ground running on game one on January 13th. He shot out of a cannon after just playing through a tournament that Canada is very likely going to win. And he's their best player and he's feeling great about himself. And that really helps out the Blackhawks and helps out Kirby Doc. Like you said, it can happen anywhere. It sucks that it happened. And I think we need to, most of our listeners are in America and maybe don't recognize how important the World Junior Championships are to these kids, especially Canadian kids. This is a huge, huge deal. A couple of people on Twitter were saying, what's the big deal? It's not the Olympics. To these kids, this is the Olympics. To a lot of these guys, it's the biggest thing they've played in in their careers so far. Kirby Doc is an exception. He's played in Stanley Cup playoffs. But this is a huge deal to these kids, to these prospects. So to allow him to do that, those things have they can pay off down the road, right? Those are things people remember. When we talk about the whole Chris Bryant thing with the Cubs, how don't just remember when his contract's up, they're going to hold it against the Cubs for not letting him play those seven games or playing the year before or whatever. The players remember these things, and maybe it saves the Hawks some money down the road. Maybe Kirby Doc gives him an extra year. Who knows? But I think just for his development alone, it was a good idea. He got hurt. It sucks, but it is what it is. And would the Hawks probably reevaluate things if they had known this was going to happen? Yes. But 
despite the outcome, it was a calculated risk, and I think it was the right – they made the right choice. It just didn't work out, and it sucks. It really sucks that that's the yeah. outcome. It does, and obviously I feel awful for Kirby. I'm sure that he is probably dealing with some mixed emotions right now, too, that this injury is going to potentially impact his development this season at the NHL level, but I still think that his future is obviously very bright. I don't think that this changes that, and I I think that ultimately at the end of the day this was the right move for the Blackhawks, and I'm hoping that he's at peace with it at least, like just mentally, because I know that – Obviously, the temptation's probably going to be there that he's going to kind of carry that disappointment with him whenever he does get on the ice this season. But I'm hoping that he can move past it because that's obviously a big challenge for a 19, 20 year old kid to kind of like deal with that kind of injury the second year in a row, by the way, that he's suffered an injury before the NHL season that's going to knock him out of action for a little bit. I I hope that he can kind of deal with that mentally, and I have faith that he will. And we will see Kirby Doc before the end of this thing. But in the meantime, it obviously just causes a lot of roster chaos and some of the moves that we've been seeing the last couple of days. Yeah, and I want to I want to mention this about Kirby Doc too. It's it wasn't it was a big commitment for him to do this. Like he had to go kind of quarantine by himself for two weeks to be eligible for this tournament. It was he made a he made personal sacrifices himself to get here and then to be named captain and then to have it just all crash down before a game that counts is even played just sucks and I feel awful for the kid uh good that he's around uh teammates right now that he's with Alex Dabrinkit that he's with uh Adam Boquist and those guys are sort of keeping each other company probably laughing a lot uh keeping the morale up because that's really important you know and uh man I just I my first thought when I saw him get hurt well my first thought was oh multiple expletives um and then it was constantly refreshing Twitter and then after that, it was man, this sucks for Kirby. This is horrible, and I'm I feel really really bad for him. I think oh. you just you described the uh, experience of Blackhawks fans perfectly. As soon as the replay came out, we were all like, "Oh dear God, oh God, oh why, oh God." And you had the Zapruder film of his fingers. Like, look at the way the fingers dangle. That's de- and, and the, twi- the Twitter doctors are out there. T- you saw how immediately he took that glove off. Yeah. If he had left the glove on, it would have been different. But this is bad. <laughs> The Twitter doctors. And then, like, the Blackhawks accounts with five followers, I've been told that it's a wrist injury. Okay, <laughs> My thanks. sources say that his arm has been completely cut off. <laughs> All right. They had, to save, they had to save the rest of his body. They cut his arm off. It's terrible. You know what would make Kirby Doc feel a lot better? I was actually going to – this is exactly how I was going to tease this. So, I'm, I'm waiting to see which of our sponsors you're going with here. I think he could use some fry the coop. There it is. He went with the one I was going to go yeah, with. I think Kirby is ready for some hot chicken in his life. And not just some hot chicken, air quotes. The best damn hot chicken on the planet. I've been to all the places in Nashville. Fry the coop is as good or better than all of them. Go to frythecoop.com. Peruse the menu options. There's many. There are many heat levels. There's many uh, menu items. You go there and get yourself a cold beer. They've got pickup windows the soon-to-be tinley park location has a drive-through as does the newly opened prospect heights location so you place your order online you go pick it up and you will in a few minutes be eating it and you will be thrilled fry the coop is amazing and i'm going to go there this week i cannot wait so go say hi to joe fontana and all his great people at all the fry the coop locations in oaklawn elmhurst west town prospect heights and coming soon to tinley park looking like february for Tinley, I talked to Joe this week and he said, we want to make sure we get this right. It's going to be huge. So we're going to delay the opening a little bit just to make sure we have everything perfect, ready to go. 
And once they're open, they're going to be a huge, huge success in Tinley Park. And I can't wait because that's really close to my house. And that's going to be really good. So come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. Go to frythecoop.com to place your order now. Michael Tepley almost scored in the World Juniors just now, by the way. If you've been watching the World Junior Championships and really fun, solid hockey so far, unfortunately, Blackhawks prospect could not get on the board today for the good boys from Czechia. I am watching um, – you keep going to Czechia. I love that. Uh, I, I, I was watching – I didn't watch the USA game yesterday. I watched the first period as I was on the exercise bike this morning. That Cole Caulfield, man – that kid is going to be awesome. It was hilarious. He only played three minutes in the first period, and everybody was freaking out. He ended up, I think, second on the team and among forwards in time on ice last night. But every single time Cole Caulfield was on the ice, it was good, and it was awesome. And He's too I know little. that a lot of the attention for Team USA was about how bad Spencer Knight was last night, but I, I delighted in the play of a Cole Caulfield last night. Well, I was watching some of the exhibition games, too, and that kid – he creates something out of nothing. And and this is another guy who, despite giant numbers, because he's five foot eight, he fell to fifteenth overall. Montreal picked him up, and they've got a good one in Cole Caulfield. Anyway, we've got more important things to get to here. Why don't we take a timeout, reset things, and come back? We gotta get to the Alex Nylander injury. We've got the Blackhawks schedule, which we haven't gotten to yet. So a whole lot more coming your way here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG, open makes more possible. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski here in Homewood, James Naveau out there in Bourbon A. Former home of the Chicago Bears. What a bummer. That sucks. <sighs> they still have the water tower up with their logo on it. Well, that's all that matters, damn it. And the world's best Buffalo Wild Wings. So you got that going for you. Never forget. <laughs> I won't. I won't forget ever because I love that place. You know what I love more than B-dubs, though? Marishka's. Um, I can think of probably six or seven things, but I'll let you answer. Yeah. Marishka's our day one sponsor on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. They've been open since 1933. But they've been with us for six years, so that's a significant percentage of their... No, that's not true. They, <laughs> they'd they be around with or without the Madhouse podcast. So math good. Yeah, so we appreciate them sticking with us through this tough time. So in exchange, stick with them through this tough time. Go out to Crest Hill. Visit the Zadralovich family. They've been doing it right, like I said, since 1933. What should I order, Jay? James, what should I get? The poor boy. That's the first order. That is what put them on the map. It's amazing. It's the best poor boy you'll ever have. It's available in beef or, or chicken. They've also got the Yodel, Yodel Burger, which is James's favorite. We've mm. got to recommend the mountain of onion rings, the double baked potatoes. Everything on the menu is fantastic. You go into Mershka's, you can tell 
that it's been family owned and operated since 1933 because the food is the same since the day they opened because it's made the same way. They don't cut corners at Marishka's. You're going to have a great meal for you, a great meal for your family, and you'll be back again and again. So head out to 604 Theodore Street and visit marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So you are clear from today till Easter to go visit our friends at Marishka's. Do so, and you'll be very happy. The other bit of news. we I just touched... want to jam a poor boy oh. in my face now. Good read. Yeah, do that. Go ahead. Um, I will join you in jamming said poor boy in your face. I don't know what that means, and I don't want to visualize it. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> the other bit of news, we sort of glossed over it last segment, is Alex Nylander out for four to six months. I mean, I know a lot of people were not as mad about that because most people are sort of sour on Alex Nylander. I think I might be the last guy who's still sort of hopeful that he could develop into something because he's got the tools, he's got the speed, he's got the ability. He just needs the mental part of his game to catch up with the physical. And I have faith that he can do that a little bit, right? Maybe he's not going to be a superstar like his brother, but I think he can be an effective, you know, top nine forward. And he was another guy who this season I was looking forward to seeing and now he's out. And I mean, it, it just stunts everything. You know, and the Hawks need to know what they have in him too, right? It's not just us, right. the fans. It's not just him. He is due a contract after this year. He's a restricted free agent. And if he doesn't play, what kind of a contract do you give him? Maybe it works out in their favor. Where because of he hasn't proven anything at the NHL level, they get him on a steal and he, and he develops into something good. But it's just another blow before the puck has even dropped on things that I know I was excited about. I know some people were excited about seeing Nylander potentially develop. Remember, he's 22 years old. Just another bummer, man. It sucks. All right. I got to set the stage here. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. Cholula hot take question of the day. <laughs> Did the Blackhawks medical staff make a mistake assuming that his meniscus would heal over the offseason? Should they have just done the surgery after the bubble in Edmonton? That's a yes. That's what most people would second guess. I think that one thing I do have some faith in is the Blackhawks medical staff. They've done a pretty solid job over the years. Uh, I trust them in their decisions for the most part. I can't think of any like major gaffes. As far under... as we know, they have not punctured anyone's lung like the Chargers uh, staff did to Tyrod Taylor. Right under this, and they also haven't done a spinal, a needless spinal tap on somebody like Luol Deng and the Bulls. Well, you have the Chris Chelios thing two years ago, but that was a different medical because I know people are in their cars screaming Chris Chelios. That was a different staff. That was. Or, a do different you really era. think they're screaming Chris Chelios? Yes, that was a oh, okay. significant. Uh, before a playoff game, they gave him a shot that numbed his leg and he couldn't skate. Not great when he's the best defenseman in hockey at the time. Uh, that's a good point. All yeah. right. Well, I guess people would be screaming about that. Yeah. So different staff. Um, look, you can second guess these things all the time. It seems like he was ready to go. He was skating and then re-injured it. And of course, these things like they're evaluated at the time. Like what is the percentage risk of a re-injury okay it's small all right let's not operate then because an operation is higher risk and all those sort of things and again like the kirby doc thing <laughs> miscalculation that didn't work out it's just it's frustrating man it's really frustrating and and i know like i said i was more excited to watch alex newlander than most but doc and newlander were two of the guys i was excited to watch this year especially doc 
and now they're both out. At least it looks like Doc will be back for the better portion of the season. Hopefully, yeah. But remember, I think it was Scott Powers that pointed this out. When Marcus Kruger came back from his wrist injury, he like couldn't win a faceoff to save his life. Right. So what sort of factor will that play? There's just so many. This is a season full of question marks, and now you've got two more huge ones hanging over this year. I, I think that, for the record, by the way, I am not a doctor, so I'm not going to delve into whether or not I think it was a mistake to let Alex Nylander try to heal the torn meniscus. Soft tissue stuff is always very inexact, so... I think that that's, you know, that's a decision the Blackhawks medical staff made. The deal with it, it's not I don't think there was like malpractice or a mistake no, or anything no, no. like that with this. It's very uncertain. So, I will not be hot taking this. I will go ahead and take the high road and say I am not a physician. I will say I have definitely I've jumped off of the Alex Nylander bandwagon leaving you kind of alone. Wait, on hold the on. Ship, wait, so wait, 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 wait. I'm not on a bandwagon no. <laughs> by okay. any means. Okay. But I want to clarify my position. You are the captain of the Alex Nylander fan club. Oh we my all God. know this. <laughs> so they're just going to trade him away when he gets good, which That's, is what happens to all the well, guys. Well, you haven't done an event with him, so I think he might. <laughs> That's true. Um, no, what I'm saying is I still think there's hope for his development. That's as far as I'm willing to go. And I was, okay, fine. I was uh, anxious is the wrong word. Probably excited to see him play a little bit this year to see if he was ready to take that next step that's not my, my point is i am i am an old i'm old manning this i'm curmudgeoning this okay i've pretty much like made up my mind on alex nylander but as you as we've all seen over the years on this podcast i'm always willing to acknowledge if i'm wrong so if alex nylander wants to come in and be good at hockey again in the future i will concede that i was a moron if it comes to that I don't think I'm going to have to make up any concession speeches. However, I will say, if he be, do you have any faith that he could become a 45 to 55 point guy? No, I don't. Okay. I I I I can't explain exactly why I don't think that, but I just I don't think that I don't think the things that he needs to learn are things that he's going to learn. He seems like one of those Victor Stahlberg type guys that are always going to be kind of a tweener they always seem like they have that potential but they never fully capture it I get that vibe very very strongly from Alex Nylander I just can't shake the pedigree thing his dad was a good smart hockey player his brother's a good smart hockey player how did it just miss Alex Nylander I like I just I can't say that. We could at ask 22. that thing about the third Manning brother too. How did Cooper Manning not become an elite quarterback like Peyton and Eli? Like we have to. All right, let's tr let's play make believe. Okay. Oh, I Let, love this. Let's pretend that Alex Nylander was a draft pick of the Blackhawks. Okay, and not traded for Henry Okaharu. We have to erase that from our minds. I know that's hard because the name Alex Nylander immediately triggers to most Hawks fans. I hated that effing trade. And we all hated that trade, right? Yeah. So I'm challenging myself and our listeners to do their best to look at Nylander as any other prospect, okay? And yeah, you could say Buffalo gave up on him, and that's a factor in evaluation. Sure, but let's not pretend like Buffalo's been blowing the NHL out of the water with their history of success lately either, mm. right? So... I'm trying to look at well, you're also, that's see that's conflating individual success with team success, which in a sport like hockey can always be kind of dangerous. But my point is, though, that I'm just trying to look at him as a prospect and not as the guy who was traded for Henry Okaharu. 
I'm trying to be fair about it, mm-hmm. right? And 22 years old, nothing there indicates that that's someone you should give up on, especially someone who's been in the league for a few years now and has had some level of success. He's shown he can put the puck in the net at the NHL level, not super frequently, but he's done it. He's played top six minutes, right? Whether he deserved it or not, but he had 26 points last year at 22. So for to think that that can't jump significantly, I think is sort of pulling the plug on Alex Nealander a little too soon. That if, if that puts me as the captain of the bandwagon, would I be a captain engineer? Well, who drives a bandwagon? I I would th- I would think that it has to be like a captain, right? I'll take it. All right, I'm the captain yeah, yeah, of the band. Whatever. If, yeah. If, if me thinking he might not suck his entire life makes me a captain of a bandwagon, then give me the captain's hat. I'll take it. I guess we have to define our terms. Like, what does it mean that you know to think that he's going to suck? I think he could be a contributing top nine forward, top six forward in a pinch. How many so- goals do you think that? that would require him to score because that's obviously 20, where he's going to make his impact. If he's a top nine guy, I think mid high twenties for him is, is approachable. 25. I think if he can yeah. like be relied upon to score around 20 goals a season, I would consider that to be like, not obviously great because that's not where you draft a guy in the first round. You don't expect him to be a 20 goal guy, but if he can get there, I would accept it. I wouldn't be thrilled about it, just like you said. You do at some point have to like bring the baggage of the trade and the return and all of that into it. But if we're looking at this strictly in a vacuum and we're strictly looking at it as what would it take for me to consider Alex Nylander to be a solid NHL contributor for the Blackhawks, I do think that he has to be a 20-goal guy. I'm still skeptical he's going to get there because I just think that the hockey IQ, there's a lot of questions with that. I I don't know. If he gets there, like I said, I will admit that I was wrong, but I'm not going to sit here and plan to write a concession speech about it. No, and that's fair. And if I was if someone said, Jay, put your money down, is Alex Newinder gonna be, you know, a forty five, fifty point guy, I would bet against that. Well, but how I'm, the hell are you supposed to be the captain of the bandwagon if you're not going to do that? I'm trying to say, if, if, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I wouldn't bet on it happening, but I'm not outright dismissing it as a possibility. <laughs> I can't look past the pedigree. I can't. I I always love needling you about Nylander. It's one of my favorite things to do on the podcast. I just, you know, it's just funny, and I appreciate it, too, that, like, I said this guy, but the same thing happens to me with Trubisky. Like, well, I don't, I don't hate the guy. Oh, you're the, you're a Trubisky fanboy. I'm like, <laughs> I just think he's not the worst quarterback ever, like most people think. I don't. Hey, we're going to find out tomorrow with the Trubisky versus Glennon showdown. How do you think Ryan Pace is feeling right now? Mitch Trubisky is twenty times the quarterback Mike Glennon is. Stop. Whoa! It. Stop not in the that. neck area. Oh Glennon has God. him defeated there. I'm tired of it. He's this. That's the other thing is you got to look at Mitch as if. Mahomes and Watson weren't there because the pick was terrible and shouldn't have been made, but it was made. You have to evaluate him on his own. No way. Now, see, I'm going to disagree with you on that because the reality was Mahomes and Watson were there. Yes, and Brian Pace should be fired. They were both available. The Bears traded up to take Trubisky, which means you cannot divorce the fact that Watson and Mahomes were there. You cannot divorce it divorce it from that decision. No, you don't. Because div- you traded up to get him. But you divorced yourself from the GM, <laughs> and you fire the guy who made that decision, but that should not affect the way you analyze 
his personal development. Yeah, that's okay. Fine. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I will also say that the Bears are probably going to end up franchising Mitch Trubisky, and I'm not going to be angry if they do because I'd probably prefer that to be the outcome rather than losing him for nothing. Okay, back to the old puckaroo. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk some more hockey. There, there is other stuff we need to talk about besides Alex Nylander, which I'm honestly, I'm surprised how long that discussion went on for. Well, you had to needle me for half of it, so <laughs> that <laughs> well, extended you know, it a little bit. We don't. Jay, we don't like not see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. I know like, we got to lean in. Yeah, there are very few points of like disagreement between us. Yes, we have to kind of lean in on it and I think kind of challenge each other a little bit. I think that's safe and I think that's healthy. I think it's unsafe and unhealthy. Don't. We just did it again. All right. Uh, the other little bit of news. Drake Kajula has signed with the Arizona Coyotes. And just today you up the sad Celine Dion music. Yeah. Slater Cuckoo is a Edmonton Oiler. I will remember. That's not Celine Dion, but whatever. No. Now I forget who that is. Oh, it's Sarah McLaughlin. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Who could forget her and her sad dogs? I was thinking of the Titanic song for Celine Dion, and then I promptly started singing something else. So Slater Cuckoo, one year, 850K with Edmonton. Drake Kajula, one year, 700K with Arizona. So really cheap deals for good depth players. I And look. I'm not going to get mad that either guy's gone. They're not going to be the difference between the Hawks being good or not. But certainly not when you look at what Sam Bowman said he was going to do and bring in some 25 ish year old guys to help the core. Those guys fit the mold, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's just like we said, we said this to Sam Bowman when he was on. Now, every move you make from this interview on and the other 75 interviews he did on is going to be evaluated with that development eye and 0 for 1 with Carl Soderberg. Never forget that Stan Bowman said that we were the best. Don't forget it, people. He did say that. I have done a lot of these guys, but I, I got to say you, this one was probably the, the best kind of rhythm. I think you guys have a pretty good handle on things. Thanks, Stan. Thank you. I enjoyed it. See, he did say that. I, I am going to point out that... I agree with you that these are not make or break moves for the Blackhawks and they're both I think they're both understandable from the perspective of the rebuild. I feel like there are guys that can fill Drake Kajula's role on this team that they have in the system. The only question now obviously is whether or not they're going to get a chance to if you're going to keep bringing in guys like Carl Soderberg to kind of muddy the competition waters so to speak. Yeah. The question I had with Slater Cuckoo is one that we obviously have delved into a lot which is just like the fact there are so many dang options on the Blackhawks blue line. Yeah, there's no spot for him. There's a lot of veteran guys, too. Like, this is really confusing for the Blackhawks. Like, I have no idea how they're going to sort all of this out. As much as I love Slater Cuckoo, and I'm wearing my Slater T-shirt right now, thanks to Lauren Wills for making those up for us. Those are – that will always be in my heart. I will miss Slater Cuckoo a lot. They're just – it doesn't seem like there was a place for him on this roster with the way that it's currently constructed, and I hope he kills it in Edmonton. I really do. I'm going to miss having Slater around. He always that guy that I kind of had an irrational affection for. Drake Kajula. I Are know you that crying? you and I talked – what's up? Are you crying right now? A little. You a little. sound a little choked up about Slater <laughs> <laughs> Don't Don't talk to me about this. Um, I haven't watched Soul yet. Apparently, that's going to make me do the same thing. But anyway, I it's a bummer. Like, I liked Slater Cuckoo. Like you had mentioned, he 
it seemed like he had some upside to his game. I was curious to see what could potentially happen in the future. Drake Kajula, I know you and I were both effusive in our praise of him last season. It just felt like he could fill a lot of different roles. I know that obviously injury issues were part of the probably the calculus not to bring him back. I still think they're both pretty solid NHL guys, and I think they could potentially thrive in their new markets. I'm still not going to get overly mad about it. The realities are what they are with this Blackhawks roster, and while I will bid them a very fond adieu, I guess I'm not going to you know, weep and gnash teeth about it at the end of the day, but I will miss both guys. Well, you mentioned the Hawks defense as it currently stands. Uh, this is in no particular order. Keith Murphy, Seabrook, DeHaan, Bolquist, Zadorov, Mitchell, you still have got Nick Sealer somewhere. You've got Anton Lindholm, who they traded for. Lucas Carlson played a little bit last year. Nicholas Bodan came up. Wyatt Kelnick's a prospect they like. Alec Regula's a prospect they like. So there's a lot of guys. That is 13 players, dude. Wow. And I know that they have, like, the taxi squad, but you're not carrying 13 defensemen. No, that's <laughs> that's not the recipe for success. <laughs> no, I like I said, even with the taxi squad. Yeah you're not carrying 13 blue liners. Like it's just, it's amazing that competition for the blue line. I really wish there were preseason games because that is going to be fascinating this yeah. season. I cannot wait for it. Well, it's been a bad news podcast. So I got some good news on the other side of this Dr. Squatch read. So don't go anywhere. Yeah. Stay here. You jerks. People were sending us pictures of Dr. Squatch of, of my book rather uh, around the holidays, it got them. Oh, I got a lot of pictures of Dr. Squatch gifts as well. Uh, people were really, really happy with those. A lot of people on our podcast listened up and took my advice and ordered them for their friends and family. And thank you for all the new subscribers because, folks, people that try Dr. Squatch tend to love it. My bathroom looks like a damn ad for Dr. Squatch. It's my toothpaste. It's my deodorant. It's my soap. It's my shampoo. It's my conditioner. It's everything I use to clean and keep my body and skin healthy. I jumped on, what, six, seven months ago and have not looked back. I've not used another product since. And I don't see myself using another product in the near future. So head to DrSquatch.com, peruse what they have to offer. The soaps are their bread and butter. That's what they have perfected. But everything they make is high quality. It's all natural. It's made in the USA. There's really nothing to not like about Dr. Squatch. So go to DrSquatch.com. Top right of the page there, you're going to see that Squatch quiz. Take that quiz. It'll help you sort of fill out your basket the way you need to uh, that will work best for you. When you're ready to check out, enter that promo code MADHOUSE20. You'll save 20% on your order, and you'll help the podcast at the same time, which James and I greatly appreciate. And I believe that if you do give Dr. Squatch a try, you will subscribe and love it uh, and tell a friend because it's awesome. And that 20% discount we get you is clutch. DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE20 at checkout to save on your order and become a member of Squatch Nation once and for all because very few people are like, meh, that was fine, and, and don't go back. <laughs> Squatch is amazing. Like I've always said, my wife is a hairstylist. She gives her seal of approval to the work that that stuff has done for both my for my hair with the conditioner. Oh, my God. She loves it, man. I'm just saying, if it can convince her, it'll convince you. That's a great endorsement. That's true. That That is a, a really good angle that we should bring up every week because that matters. All right. <laughs> Wife ready? smart, James dumb. You ready for the good news? Yes. The Hawks start the season with two games against the Lightning. Yes. What could go wrong? 
Well, I will also point out there is more good news with that. Looking at the schedule and the fact that they did follow through with what they said, they bunched the games, including three in a row against Tampa Bay in Chicago, which I'm going to love very much. Between that, the fact that the Red Wings are back in the division, for this season at least, the like there's so much to like about the Blackhawks schedule and – the latest we're going to have to be up watching Blackhawks games most likely is if they get a national start at like eight o'clock in Chicago. So we can do so many post-game podcasts this year because we're not going to have to wait till freaking midnight to do them. And we will. They're going to be a lot of fun. So bet your ass we will. First 10 days of the season. One, two, three, four, five games, six games in the first 11 days. Yep. We are going to have more hockey than we know what to do with. <laughs> We're going to be able to like wash, like it'll let it just wash over us. It's going to be lovely. Here's January 13th, 15th, 17th, 19th, 22nd, 24th, 26th, 27th, 29th, 31. <laughs> That's, the That's first a lot month. of hockey in a very short amount of time. You you got the two games against the Lightning. You then go to Florida or to, I guess, Sunrise, we'll call it. You're already in Florida, doy. Mm-hmm. You go to Sunrise to take on Joel Quinville and the Panthers. Then you come home and you got your home opener against the pesky Detroit Red Wings. How about that, Blackhawks fans? A home opener against the Wings. It's like 1965 all over again. <laughs> I'd like to be there, but I can't. Yeah, unfortunately, the Blackhawks did announce that they will not uh, this is obviously not a surprise. They will not have fans to start the season in Chicago. Kind of a bummer, but, I mean, the, it is what it is. We're waiting on that vaccine to get more widely available and used by the public. The hope is is that at some point during the season, I know the Blackhawks are hoping to get some fans in the United Center. And the good news is that a lot of like the home stretch of their games will be played at home. In fact, I think it's something like – I think seven of their last nine games are at home. So hopefully by that point, they'll be able to at least get some fans into the UC for some hockey action because I'm sure, Jay, you have felt this way. I felt this way. Hockey just isn't the same without people in the stands. Like no. the fans make such a big difference in all sports, but hockey, it's really noticeable the way that, you know, skates scraping the ice, pucks hammering off the boards. It's cool to hear all that, but I would rather be hearing fans getting loud and crazy. Yeah, you're right about that, by the way. Seven of the last nine at home. That's April 21st through May 8th. It's two against Nashville at home, one against Tampa, two against Florida at home, two at Carolina, and then two versus Dallas at the end of the year. And I saw the last day of the season, I believe all 31 teams are in action. How is that possible? I guess I can't be possible. So it must be 30 of the 31. It's, it is 30 like of 31. Yeah. I was just giving you a hard time. Yeah, no, I saw that on the on the crawl during the World Junior Championships. Yeah, the I, I forget which team it is isn't playing the last day of the season. But this is, remember, that'll be the last day of regular season hockey without the Seattle Kraken in the mix. So That's right. Yeah, and I th- I think that at least fans for the playoffs is very possible. I agree. 100% I agree with that. I think that we... I don't think it'll be full arenas by that point. I still think there's going to be some kind of dialing up, I think, that's going to involve, be involved. But you probably see half-capacity arenas by then, I would think, just That'll based on how quickly yeah. we can get this vaccine out. Yeah, fa- didn't Fauci say, like, quarter two 
things should start looking somewhat normal again. Yeah, I think the issue that they're having with the vaccine is that people who get vaccinated can still theoretically carry the virus, which is why we're all still going to be wanting to wear masks until we kind of tamp out the remaining cases of it, I think. I think that's probably going to be our reality. But I think that, again, you may not see full arenas by that point, but at least semblances of normal. A half-full hockey arena is a great step towards normal. And the fact that we could potentially see that by the middle of May is freaking awesome. And a testament to all the funding and all the research that went into this. And so Dolly Parton. Yeah, exactly. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God for Dolly Parton. Yeah. That's my, my point is, is that in this holiday season, obviously it's been really challenging for a lot of us. I know that I, I can only speak for myself. I know that I've had some rough days, uh, recently, just kind of looking at another winter, you know, of probably mostly staying inside, but we're getting closer, man. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and the fact that we are even entertaining the idea of having fans in hockey arenas feels like a great sign that normal, more happy times are ahead, and hopefully it's sooner rather than later, man. I really want to I want to be able to get back into the UC to see a game, Dagnabbit. Yeah, for sure. Hockey is so close, my friend. It is so close. It'll be here before you know it, and that will help time the p- time pass. We're going to have a hockey game like every other night. So that, that should get us through to the spring, hopefully. All right. We said, as we do, James, off the air before every episode, eh, this one will be shorter. We don't have that much to talk about, and we're about 55 minutes. So we're going to wrap this one up. want to thank everybody for tuning in. We always appreciate your support on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. This is our last episode, unless something crazy happens, of the year 2020, the dumpster fire that was 2020. Thank you for your continued support. Uh, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, wow, we're going to enter our sixth season of yep. the Madhouse podcast. So thank you for your continued support. Uh, we are continually blown away by uh, the support and the feedback and all the participation you guys have for us. So thank you so much. Don't forget, follow us on our social media channels at Madhouse Pod on Twitter, Instagram at Madhouse underscore pod. And be sure to check out that merchandise shop, madhousepodmerch.com. Move some merch, help the podcast, and help Triple Threat Sports, our guys. Uh, at the same time. So for my partner, James Savo, my name is Jay Zawoski. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.